Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. All right, church. Remember, remember, remember. Now, I know it was last year, but remember what we've been talking about, okay? So we've talked about, first and foremost, the church of Ephesus. Very, very important, okay? Why? Because the church of Ephesus is it just... it, 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 it proves to us, it illustrates what a lot of us go through. You go, what do you mean? If you recall, the church of Ephesus, they had left their first love. You see, they fell in love with Jesus. They were loving Jesus. They were walking with Jesus. And somehow they, they got busy doing ministry. They got busy doing life. They got busy with everything else. And, and the Lord says, man, you've left me. You, 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 you left me and it started, the church started great and it started well. And somewhere along the way, they left their passion, the passion they once knew in him. They left it. That isn't, that's such a, a human characteristic of us, a Christian characteristic. We were so fired up when we got saved. Nothing mattered. We were carrying our Bibles around, and we got the biggest Bible we could find, and we were going to tell everyone about Jesus and and just like the church. They begin to replace their affection with activity. Well, see, God will know I love him if I just do more. They begin to, um, uh, they begin a religious routine instead of a loving relationship with Jesus. Listen, from the outside, looking in, it seemed this was like a great church. But as the Lord began to reveal their hearts, he found that they no longer knew why they were doing what they did. All they knew was what they were doing and they continued to do it well. That's the church of Ephesus. As we continue in our study tonight, guys, we come this evening to the next church. This would be the church of Smyrna. So we talked about Ephesus. This is the church of Smyrna. But this is also known, if you're taking note, as the suffering church. The suffering church. Now, as we noted last week, each of these messages, these churches, have a fourfold application. Let me, let me just go over them pretty quick, okay? There's a fourfold application. First of all, they're, they're applied historically. We, we understand that, okay? Why? Because there were seven original churches in seven real cities in Asia. These were real cities, okay? And actually, the way the Lord pulls them out is, is actually in the way the, the, if you will, of the ancient Roman postal route. This, the church, this church, this church, and, and so forth. So they're applied historically. We know that's gonna happen. We know it happened. Okay? Number two, we know that they're pro- that we apply this well practically. Why? Because guys, when we study these, they teach a lot about church life. Okay? Almost every problem, difficulty and the challenges facing the church are addressed in these seven letters. We just talked about the church of Ephesus and how they had left their first love. And there's so many believers that were once on fire for God, like nothing mattered. Nothing mattered in the world. They just loved Jesus. 
and they did right, and they loved Jesus, but somewhere they just forgot about that. And what happens, guys, is when that happens, is your devotion time becomes something out of duty. And you just do it. Okay. Did you do your quiet time? I did my quiet time. Okay. And I want to go back to the days when you opened up your Bible and tears just flowed down because you knew who you were. You knew who you were, and you knew what God had done for you. We know, number three, guys, that they apply personally. Why? Because every letter applies to us individually as believers. And that's why we have the same exhortation. What was that? The exhortation is, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, you go, well, every one of us has an ear. Look, I have two. He's not talking about physical ears. He's saying, make sure you listen with your heart. Where am I with you, Lord? Guys, the goal is to draw closer to Jesus. The goal is to walk in him. The goal is to live victoriously. The goal is to have joy in a world that seems to have no joy. The world is to smile and, and, and have peace. That's the joy. That's the goal. Why, why are you so happy? Why are you always everything? Because I know Jesus. I don't know if it's happening to you, but here's what it happens. The news, boo, boo, boo. the people, boo, boo, boo. They, they're trying to rob us of our joy. Because what happens, Santos, is that we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so we, we, we hold everything in right here. Oh, I don't know. Oh, and we get so frustrated and, and we got to go, no, 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 no. Jesus is already there. And that's why you're here in church. You, you, you need that. And then, Guys, fourth and last, but remember, they apply prophetically. Prophetically. Why? Because seven is the number of completeness. And we have what a, a, a beautiful picture of the church age. Each church, now check this out, each church represents a certain stage in church history, starting with Ephesus, representing the early church, all the way through the church representing the church to this day. It seems to be like the lukewarm church. The church that's... As a matter of fact, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and with all, everything that's going on politically, the virus, all of this stuff... One of the pastors noted that the church, in general, is asleep. The, the, the people, the bride of Christ, is asleep. They're, they're not awake to what's happening in the world. As a shepherd, the spirit inside me is saying, how do we get the message out? How do we get the message out? So we come, guys. We come to the second letter. And it's not really a letter. It's more like a postcard. 
right? Because it's only four verses. It's the Church of Smyrna, and it's known as the Suffering Church. So what I want to do is we're going to put it up on the board, but let's read it together. Revelation chapter 2, picking it up at verse 8. Revelation 2, verse 8. And we're going to read through 11. This is the postcard. This is what Jesus writes to the second church. And he says, And to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, These things say the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who they, who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear these things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and that you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not hurt, be hurt by the second death. That's the postcard to the church of Smyrna. Just a postcard. But in there, it's so, so power-packed. Okay, so the church of Ephesus, man, we left our first love. And, and, and again, now he says, okay, let me, let me just give you a postcard. Let me give you a postcard. Now, if we go, as we go through these four verses, guys, I want you to glean, we're going to glean three points. Three points that I'm going to pull out of here. And I want to show you Smyrna's significance. That's the first one. The significance of Smyrna. I want to show you that. The second is I want to show you the source of Smyrna's suffering. There's the source. And third, I want to show you Smyrna's savior. So we got the significance. We got the source. And then we got the Savior. Okay? That's what we're going to look at. So let's look at their significance. Let's see what they're all about. Okay? Now, as we go through this, see how they apply to your life. Okay? Okay? So so here it is. Smyrna, okay, the city was only about 40 miles southwest of the city of Ephesus. So in your mind, you're thinking, okay, like from Lubbock to Plainview, that's how far they were apart. Lubbock to Plainview, about 40 miles It was a wealthy seaport city, second in wealth and prominence only to Ephesus in all of Asia Minor. So remember, Ephesus was like, where where, where are we going on vacation? We're going to Ephesus. We're going to, but if you couldn't afford Ephesus, you would go to Smyrna. We'll go to Smyrna. We'll go to, they, they got some great stuff there. They got some good things there. And it was a wealthy, wealthy seaport. Let me share this quote from you from, from author William Barclay. He says, quote, Of all the cities in Asia, Smyrna was the loveliest. Men called it the ornament of Asia, the crown of Asia, the flower of Asia, also known as the city of life and strength, end quote. That's Smyrna. In 26 A.D., All the cities of Asia Minor competed for the privilege of erecting a temple in honor to the emperor Tiberius. Guess what? Smyrna won the competition and became the center of emperor worship during all of that time. This is Smyrna. Now, what I find interesting is that Smyrna in comparison to Ephesus, is that, drum roll please, Smyrna is still standing today. Right? 
It's not called Smyrna, though. It's actually called by its Turkish name. It's called Izmir. Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R. Now, it's the chief city and the largest city in Turkey. Now, listen, saints. Why is this important? Why is this important? Well, as I mentioned last week, Ephesus no longer exists. Okay, they, they left their first love. But, but it's important because Smyrna does exist. Their lampstand, what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove the lampstand from you. And they did. They, we all know this city of Ephesus was really blotted out from the face of the earth, but Smyrna still stands and has a good Christian witness to this day. Listen, listen. This is going to blow your socks off. It's true Smyrna was very close to Ephesus geographically, 40 miles, but it is very far from Ephesus in the spiritual condition. Very far. As a result, both the city and the witness of the church in Smyrna is still standing. Well, you Ben, 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 give me some application. Give me something I can take home. When it comes to Ephesus, I want you to think about this, guys. Put on your thinking cap. Coldness of heart was the beginning of the end for the church in Ephesus. Think about it. Coldness of heart. It started out, we were on fire. We were pumped, man. We were saved. Dude, we're going to go home one day. We're going to be in heaven. I just fell in love. He just saved me. That it started to turn. And then we became, we started doing Christian things because that's what we do. We're Christian. We're Christian. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. Amen. And this is what scares me. But see, Smyrna was a little bit different. Right? Smyrna was a little, little bit different. Now, let's take a moment and look at the church is suffering. Okay? You go, why? Because Smyrna still today, see, they, they loved the Lord and they hung in there. The problem was is it was a suffering church. There was something going down there. Now, as a matter of fact, this is amazing, guys. The name Smyrna actually means city of life. That's Smyrna, which I find interesting because Christians were being killed there on a daily basis. But spiritually speaking... They were the city of life. Now, Smyrna was named after its chief product of that city. Guess what it was? It was myrrh. Okay? Myrrh, do you remember that? Do you know what myrrh is? Myrrh is the embalming spice that was used in biblical times. Okay? Frankincense and myrrh. Okay? Think about this now. Think about this. The thing that is very interesting about this burial spice is myrrh has the very sweet fragrance. Beautiful. Okay? So when you died, they would bring it and they would wrap you in. Do you guys, here's, do you remember what Jesus was given when he was born? He was given gifts, right? Do you remember what they were? One of them was myrrh. That's an embalming. That's, that's a, it was almost like they predicted he was going to die for our sins. Now, check this out. It smelled really good. Okay, because you guys know 
that when a body dies, it begins to decay, and it begins to smell really bad. But here's what you don't know. Myrrh, to get the fragrance, to get the sweet-smelling fragrance, listen to me, it must be crushed in order to give off its aroma. It must be crushed. An appropriate name, because the church of Smyrna was being crushed. How? Through persecution. And many, many were killed for their faith. Why were they killed, Pastor? Because, remember, they couldn't say Caesar is Lord because that's not right. Jesus is Lord. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I know it's a far fetch, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on it. Can you imagine the government telling you how to worship? And if you said, no, I'm going to worship the Lord, and they say, no, no, you're going to do what we say. It's in your best interest. And you say, no, no, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to follow him. And the government comes back and says, no, no, if you don't do that, we're going to eradicate you. Could, could, could you imagine? Could you imagine such a thing? Well, see, in Smyrna, that's exactly what they did. If you don't say, Caesar is Lord, we're going to kill you. Okay, so, how many of you want to be Christians now? What? Because you could be killed. You could be killed. Now, think about it. Think about what's going on in our world today. Think about what's going on in our world today. And how, all of a sudden, we are being controlled, if you will, for certain mandates. What I love about Smyrna, guys, and this, this just hit home, what I love about Smyrna, check this out, is the more they suffered, the more they were crushed, the more fragrance of Christ was given them, was given off from their lives. See, here's what we think. We think, okay, listen, if we just preach, if we just preach the feel-good, motivational, rah, 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 come on, guys, you guys are champions, we think the church will grow. And yes, you know what? Listen, that will grow a crowd. But biblically, suffering is what brings a church together. When we walk in each other's lives and we cry with each other and we do life together. And when people are hurting, we're there with them, hurting. That's what's, that's, guys, that's the fragrance of Christ. When we're being persecuted and crushed. In fact, the fragrance was so strong that many of their prosecutors, many of those who put their faith, who put them to death, saw such a difference, they actually became Christians. This is Bible, guys. This is what's going, this is what's happening. This is the city of Smyrna. One of the greatest testimonies 
in the midst of suffering that came from that church came from its pastor. Its pastor was named Polycarp. You go, what do you mean? Check this out, guys. This is just amazing. Polycarp was actually a disciple of the Apostle John. What a blessing it it must have been to be discipled by John, who wrote, that which we have seen, that's what we gazed upon, which we have touched and handled concerning the... John, tell me more. Tell me what he was like when he looked with those eyes of compassion. Tell me what it was... And John repeating the story over, and he's discipled, and it's like, <sighs> Polycarp, guys, Polycarp, pastor, discipler of, disciple of John. He was martyred when he was over 90 years old. When we, we actually have an account of his death in a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'd like to read some of it to you. Listen to this, listen. Polycarp was the pastor of Smyrna. Hearing his captors had arrived one evening, Polycarp left his bed to welcome them, ordered a meal prepared for them, and then asked for one hour alone to pray. The soldiers were so impressed by Polycarp's advanced age and composer that they began to wonder why they were sent to take him. But as soon as he had finished his prayers, they put him on a donkey and brought him into the city. As he entered the stadium with guards, a voice from heaven was heard to say, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the men. Brought before the tribunal and the crowd, Polycarp refused to deny Christ. The proconsul begged him to consider himself and have pity on his great age. Reproach Christ, and I will release you. Polycarp just looked and replied, Eighty-six years I have served him, and never once, he never once wronged me. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? He was threatened with wild beasts, but Polycarp stood his ground. What are you waiting for? Do whatever you please. The governor threatened with fire, to which Polycarp answered, you threaten me with fire that will burn for about an hour after it is extinguished. But you will have to face the fires of judgment that will burn for eternity unless you repent. At that, the crowd demanded Polycarp's death, gathering wood for the fire and preparing him for the stake. Leave me, he said. He who will give me strength to sustain the fire will help me not to flinch from the pile. So they bound him and put him and nailed him to a stake, and Polycarp prayed, I thank you, Lord, that you have graciously thought me worthy of this day, and of this hour I must be a part of the number of martyrs to die for Christ. As soon as Polycarp finished his prayer, the fire was lit. I look forward to meeting that guy in heaven. Ninety years old, guys, he said, the one who's been faithful to me for 86 years, how can I deny him? How can I deny him? Today, the testimony of the church that he pastored lives on on the very spot of his death. 
Smyrna guys had a witnessed had witnessed what would not be extinguished, but that would only grow. Think about it. Think about it. What if we as Christians are put into that same situation? Hey, just deny the Lord and you'll live. Hey, just deny Christ and you can go free. Would we, like Polycarp, say, wow, no, no, no. You go, Ben, 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 what was the source of Smyrna's suffering? What, what was the source? Well, the source of the church's suffering is identified in verse 10. Take a look real quick. It says, indeed, guess what? The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Okay? Now, listen, saints. Satan is at the heart of this suffering, this persecution. He's the one doing it. You understand that. As we get ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. Well, Ben, you can't say that. We Nobody knows the day or the hour. As we get ready. Think about it like this. Think about all of us. We're, we're, all, we're, we're at the airport. The, 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 the plane to heaven is going to take off. And we're just sitting there and we just got to wait. We just got to wait. We, our, our bags are loaded and we're just... And we're waiting for the final few passengers. But before you know it, the... Door is going to open and the plane is about to board. See, I know the plane's going to come. I know the plane's going to go. I know it's going, son. I know it's going. I know it's going. The thing about it is that I don't know when the plane's going to take off. I know I'm just waiting for it. And so I know the Lord Jesus is going to come back. I know he is. And I know one day this is going to be either empty or filled with people and we're not going to be here. Think about it. There's going to be a building. Oh, what what are they going to use this for? We're not going to be here. We're out of here. We're out of here. We're we're going home. We're going home. But we know that like this church, guys, Satan is is at the heart of this suffering. Oftentimes, listen to me, Oftentimes, Satan will work through human instruments. Notice verse 9. He says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Now, here's what's going on in Smyrna. There was a smear campaign going on against these Christians. Guess what do you mean? Lies were being told about them all the time. You see, one of the things we need to remember is that we're in a spiritual warfare going on right now. Now, we all had spiritual warfare before. We all got sick. We all, we all struggled down then. But as the temperature begins to rise on the, listen to me, the world, okay, not just Lubbock, not just Texas, not just, you know, the world, as the temperature begins to rise on the world, the enemy knows his time is short. He knows it. So the persecution, the attacks, the suffering seem to intensify. And so again, think about it. 
he's, he's using, I mean, I mean, here's what's going on. There was a smear campaign. They were, they were telling lies, right? And here's what we know. We know from early literature that because the Christians talked about communion, what did they talk about? Eating and drinking, right? The blood of Christ. This, we're, this is symbolism. But what, what they heard was, oh, wait a minute. You guys get, get together and you Christians are cannibals because you're eating the blood and you're drinking the blood and eating the flesh of somebody. And so they began to say, you Christians are crazy. And because the Christians refused to visit pagan temples or to acknowledge the gods of the pagan, they, they, they actually refused to participate in emperor worship. They were called what? They were called atheists. Why? Because, because they didn't acknowledge the gods of the pagan. They're like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna play that. But think about it in our lives, guys. Think about how, oh, the Holy Spirit conviction. Think about what we bring into our homes. No, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. That stuff, that stuff is not, that's not helping. Ben, I got a question. Let's say the Lord doesn't come back for another 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 years. Don't you want to live pure and holy before God? Listen, I have enough problems. I don't need to invite other stuff in. I have enough issues. Another smear campaign. Christians, guys, would often talk about what? Loving one another, right? We, we, hey, Brother Mel, love you, Brother Mel. They would say, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say that? So guess, guess what they said? They were accused of sexual orgies going on in the church. You guys are crazy. That's what's going on in the church. You just love everybody. Everybody's just... And they didn't understand that. And the slander is what produced much of the persecution of the early Christians. It came and we're told from who? Well, the Word of God says false Jews... These were, check it out, the physical descendants of Abraham. These were Jewish people, and yet they had a synagogue there in Smyrna. And they were, they were propagating all these lies. You see, if your mind goes back, guys, all my Bible students, think about when the Pharisees, think about what they did, right? These these religious dudes, these religious dudes, what did they do? Do you guys, do you remember they hounded and harassed Jesus all the time? And what did they do? They persecuted belief. You're a follower of him. You're going to die too. Jesus actually refers to them from being where? From the synagogue of Satan. See, although they professed faith in God, they were actually an instrument of the devil. Wait a minute, Ben. Are you saying that that can happen today? I'm saying that can happen today. I'm saying that there's a lot of people that are going to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and actually not be one. What was the result, church? The result, guys, was that there was a persecution and they were treated, guys, with scorn in this world given over to idolatry. And many, many of the Smyrna believers, check this out, they lost their jobs? Wait, you're a Christian? Uh-uh. 
they had to close up their businesses. They were ostracized. They were outcasted. They were... All the comments on Facebook, when you, when you post something biblical, they were, they were, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they were, they were hated. They were hated. That was Smyrna. And I started to think about that in light of what we learned today, in light of what's going on in our world. Now, now listen, let me take you back on a little journey. It was, and, and so if you remember this, it was last year around April, we put a couch up here and we talked about all that was happening. Okay, how are we going to handle this? And we, we sat and we, we asked, answered questions via the internet. And we thought by now, okay, we're, we're, we're on the upside. Okay, we, we've got a virus. We got a virus. Okay, so let's see how this deals with it, right? Let's, let's see how this goes. Let's, let's protect. Let's wash our hands. Let's follow the CDC guidelines. Let's do all of this. But now, in January, we're still struggling with that and, and everything else that's going on in our world. And so I know a lot of people, and maybe you're here, and maybe you're watching online, and you feel just like the Church of Smyrna. You know, man, you're being persecuted. You're being pressured. You're being crushed. All the way around. And what I love, what I love is, is that we need to take comfort that Jesus knows and he notices. How do you know? Well, look at verse 10 real quick, right? He says, listen, I get it. You're going to have, you're going to have tribulation. He says, but you're going to have tribulation for 10 days. See that? 10 days. Verse 10. Now, Stay with me. Stay with me, guys. Jesus makes it clear that there's a divinely appointed duration and a limit to their suffering. Okay? So if you're here and you're struggling, you're watching online and you're, there is a time for suffering. You'll, you'll, you'll come, you'll come out of it. What comfort in times that Jesus knows? Jesus knows that there's a set time. There's a set time. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, man, you're going to suffer, and I don't know for how long. Good luck. He doesn't say that. He says, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer for 10 days. 10 days. Now, looking back, looking back, we can see how Smyrna played out these 10 days in history. Okay? There weren't 10 literal days. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, we suffered for 10 days. Okay, if you look back at church history, you'll see that there were ten waves of persecution coming into the to the city, to the church of Smyrna. Ten waves. Okay? You go, well, like what? Well, we know from history that, uh, from the time of John's writing, that there were ten waves, okay? And we see those through three centuries of church history. Where did it begin? Well, do you guys remember Domitian? He was uh, 95, 96, and it ended with Diocletian around 303 to 313. So for about 300 years, guys, they, were, they, they had that. Now, Diocletian was the worst of all of them, the worst emperor of all of them. Prophetically viewed, the whole period has been called, check this out, from about 95 
to 313, it's called the age of the martyrs. This is how the persecution, this is how they wanted to stop Christianity early on. You see, you just didn't become a Christian because you thought, hey, this would be good for my business if I can just network. That would be great. You didn't become a Christian because you thought, hey, there's some pretty girls at that church. Yeah, I think I'll go. You could be killed for your faith. You could be persecuted. Church, listen to me. Nothing's changed in 2021. Because you stand for righteousness, because you stand for godliness, because you're walking in a different direction. Listen to me. The enemy still out there hates you. Now, Pastor Ben, I've got my, listen, I've got my job. It's going to be good. Things. Listen to me. It's going to go down. It's going to go down. I mean, that's the whole point. See, the Lord says, listen, 10 days. Now, now again, that was three, that was three centuries, but you realize it was incredible persecution. So much so, listen to me, that there was, that, that, that it took the lives, listen to me, of some six million Christians. Now, here's the point. I want to be like Smyrna. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandbabies. I love, but I got to love Jesus more. And I have to, listen. Am I willing to, to die? Am I faithful unto death? Listen, Pastor Ben, you better stop preaching or teaching the Bible or we're going to shut down your church. Listen, Pastor Ben, you better stop preaching or teaching the Bible or we're going to fine you. That hasn't happened in the world, has it? Listen, Pastor Ben, you need to stop preaching the Bible because if you don't, then we're going to put you in jail. Now, again, this is what's going on. Listen, this is what's going on in Smyrna. Do you realize that they they weren't just, hey, we're going to kill you. Let's, you know, here's some stuff. Their bodies, guys, were torn apart and wrecked. They wanted to make a mockery. They wanted to make sure everybody knew this is what happened to Christians. Can you imagine being an evangelist in that day? Hey, did you see Joe? Joe just got ripped. How many of you want to be a Christian like Joe? You know, there'd be nobody. But as a matter of fact, it was like, no. In Smyrna, guys, they would persecute you. They would take each of your fingernails and pull them off. They were hung by their thumbs, oftentimes for days. They were wrapped in animal skins and thrown out for bulls to gore and lions to devour. They were covered in tar and set on fire as human torches to light the gardens of the pagans in their festivities. But it was also a time, a season where the church signed brightly because bound together, they had this incredible bond. That, guys, this is the church of Smyrna. Smyrna. So what is John saying? Go back to go. Go with me. He says, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. 
Do not fear. Why? Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul told us in Second or First Corinthians 10.13? He said, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So here's what I want you to know. Every trial, every period of suffering that you will ever experience is measured by the heart of an infinitely loving God. Santos, the one thing the enemy wants to tell you is that you're alone out there suffering. He's got you. Nobody cares about you. And yet I'm here to say, no, no, no. God has got you in his hands. There's not a fiery trial that you will walk through that God doesn't know where the thermostat is, so to speak. See, this is a lesson we need to learn. This is a lesson we need to grasp. Because if you know and you trust God, the fire, the trials you go through, you go, okay, God, I'm in this. And God goes, I've got you. I've got you. The enemy comes in and says, God is not good. He's evil. He's mean. Look what you're going through. If God really loved you, you guys would be, man, you'd be just prospering all over the place. But that's not biblical, is it? Biblically, guys, he says, man, we're going we're gonna to go through some trials. We're going to go through some persecutions. We're going to have some attacks on our lives. See, everybody in, it gets all excited. Pastor, you're going to preach Revelation. Yeah, I'm going to be there for Revelation. Revelation. And then we get in there like, oh, I don't like Revelation at all, man. I don't like Revelation. But here's the point. God loves us so much. And God always knows when we've had enough. He never leaves us just to burn. That's what I love about God. So if you're in those times, man, you can rely on the infinite love of God. God, you love me. Here's what you need to remind yourself, okay? In him is no darkness at all. In him is no darkness at all. He doesn't think like we do. He sees you and he loves you and he knows you're going through a hard time and he says, I'm there walking with you. This is not a this is not a verse that we put, you know, up on the marquee to try to get people to come to church, which says, um, "All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution." Hey, come to my church because if you want to live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Hey, how about that verse? That's not a verse we put on a coffee cup, is it? Look at my coffee cup. All who live godly will suffer. I don't want to suffer persecution. Let's be honest. Neither do you. But I know, I know, if it happened to the church of Smyrna, I know that he's letting us know that what happens to us is the crushing is the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.29, you guys know this. Paul writes, he says, For unto you has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Guys, if you're a Christian who is really living for the Lord, doing the works unto God, you can count on the fact that you're going to be persecuted. You can count on it. 
There's a story, uh, and I love this story. It's about the great evangelist, John Wesley. And John Wesley one day was riding um, on his horse through some open fields. And as he was riding, he was talking to the Lord. And here's what he said. He's like, Lord, have I backslidden? It's been two weeks since I've been persecuted. Note that he saw the direct connection between the quality of his walk in the absence of persecution. He got down off his horse to pray and to seek God for whether or not something was wrong in his heart between him and the Lord since there was the absence of persecution on his life. And as John Wesley was praying, there was a farmer behind a hedge who recognized Wesley the evangelist and he picked up some stones and he threw it at him to where the Lord said, to which Wesley said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now notice, what's the purpose of their testing? He says, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Now, what I want to do is draw out some application for us as we study the church in Smyrna. You go, what's that? Well, see, many people will interpret these words that mean that God was seeking to learn how committed they were by this test, right? They'll go, oh, well, I want to see how Mel, how, I want to see Mel, I want to see how uh, committed he is, okay? I want to see if Soph's really a true Christian. I want to see if Al, you guys know the point, right? But, but listen, here's what we need to know. Listen, God already knew, Okay? He already knew why, because God knows all things. He knows what we're about to endure and what we can handle. See, I believe the test, you guys ready, is for us. You said, well, how's that? Well, let me explain. From this point, guys, we can glean four points about suffering. Four points about suffering. Okay, let me give them to you. Number one, the first thing about suffering is it proves our love for the Lord. You go, what do you mean? It reveals the reality of our relationship. Not to him, but to us. You, you, you can't, you, you tracking with me? See, it's times of trials and difficulties that we learn where we're really at. How committed we are to him. That's what trial, that's, that's what they do. You see, we have, how should I say this? We have, this tendency to have an inflated view of ourselves. But put us in a trial. And the test strip away all artificial supports in our lives. Our tendency is to praise the Lord when things are going good. Oh, man, praise the Lord. We have a tendency to grumble and complain when things are going bad. But for most of us, we really don't know what bad is. We really don't know what suffering is. See, Think about this. Many come to know the Lord, guys. Many come to the Lord when their lives are falling apart. Oh, things are messed up. 
And then God begins to work, guys. They begin to heal and begin to mend. And what happens is they begin to restore. And then time passes. You guys with me? Time passes. And what happens is you see that they're not worshiping the same anymore. They're not studying the Bibles with the same intensity. I'll never forget, there was a gentleman who came to my church, and for some reason he was about to lose his job, and he sat right where Sophie's sitting, and he was bawling. I mean, you're talking a gentleman with was ugly crying, bawling his eyes out. I mean, just, I mean, the world had ended for some reason for him, and, and so I counseled him, I prayed with him, we led him to Christ, and he was on fire. Thank you, Lord. Realized, went back, didn't lose his job. All that was rectified. And I don't see him anymore. He was on fire. He was, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to serve you. Some people give their life to the Lord and they say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden there's trials and there's suffering and there's persecution. And uh, then there's grumbling and complaining. Think how, how easy it would have been for Smyrna to say, I give up. Forget it. I'm going to go to Pergamos. We don't need to be here. I'm going to go down to Ephesus. But they didn't. Guys, they didn't. They hung in there. They stayed put. They clung, guys, to the Lord. They were crushed, but they were not defeated. And they had this beautiful fragrance of Smyrna. Beautiful. Every believer, listen to me, every believer, every church goes through seasons of winter, seasons of deserts. And some always want to run. I give up. I'm done. But we need to understand what's going on. You go, well, Ben, what else? Well, the second thing that happens, the second thing we learn about suffering, it provides compassion for each other, guys. Because when we see somebody suffering, it brings a special bond through the same thing. That's what suffering does. When we lose a loved one, we can have compassion. We can walk with them. When there's constant pain, when somebody is battling cancer, we just come alongside them because we know what it's like. Many of us know what it feels to be lonely. And when somebody's hurting, we can be that to them. I love that the Lord sees us throughout. I love the way that, that um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3, and 4. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's why, guys, suffering. The Lord wants to use each of us in each other's lives. Guys, we should be ministering and comforting one another. Especially in this day and age. Number three, 
Let me give you another lesson about suffering. It provides, jot this down, it provides an opportunity to present God's power and provision to the rest of the world. That's what it does. When we suffer, we can, it, it, it's God's power. Okay, let me give you a quote from, from Joni Erickson Tata. She quotes this. The way you and I handle our big and little trials makes the world pause in its frantic, headlong pursuits. Our godly response to those obstacles and perplexities in our lives literally kicks the psychological crutches right out from under the skeptic. The unbeliever can no longer refuse to face the reality of our faith, end quote. Guys, think about it. Suffering provides an opportunity to present God's power. Listen to me. The way you and I handle the coronavirus, the way you and I handle things moving forward, the stresses, the election, family, all of that stuff is going to say more about God than it will about me. But it gives us a beautiful opportunity to show that God is real. God is real. The fourth thing, those, the fourth thing, those times of suffering can do for us, think about John, they position us to receive a revelation of the Lord. They position us in a place where we can hear. Nathalie talks about this all the time, being able to feel the breath of God in her life. That's something that we should long for. Oh, we sing the song, I want to know you, I want to feel, but, but do we really want to know him? To walk with him. To know his heart. Guys, think about the people in Smyrna, guys, who were about to face tremendous suffering and, and tremendous persecution for their faith in, in Jesus. He reveals himself to them. What does he say? I am the one who was dead, but now I'm alive. Guys, here's some application. The Christians in Smyrna were going to suffer and die horrible deaths. There may have come a time when they got together and said, is it worth it? Why? Why should I die? Jesus reminds them of how much he loves them and how he became dead for them. But Jesus is also the one who is alive. Now, let's take a step back for a moment. Think about your life. Think about your sin for just a moment. Think about your shortcomings and who you really are. My Jesus saved me from that. And, and again, he knows, and he says, listen, I want to remind you, it's okay because I died for you. I love what Paul says. What does Paul say? It should be our mantra. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That should be it. That should be it. Jesus is the one who knows, guys. Remember what he says. He says, I know your works. I know. 
I know your works. His perception is, his perception of us is often different from ours and from, and from the world's, right? He says, why? Though they were poor, you guys are poverty. He goes, man, really? You're persecuted because I gotta be honest with you, you're really rich. You're really rich. Smartest crown. What does he say? He says, be faithful unto death, guys, and I will give you the crown of life. That's what he's telling us, okay? The, the Bible study is this. Be faithful. Be faithful. Here's my plea to you. Be faithful un- even unto death, okay? But let me give it to you a better way. Finish well. Finish well. Finish well. I always talk about an asterisk on my name. Pastor Ben, and, and here's a little asterisk. What does asterisk mean? Well, you know, his ministry was questionable because da-da-da-da-da. I don't want an asterisk. I want to finish well. Because I want the crown. The crown of life, right? Because the crown here is a stif- stif- Stephanos. Okay, and basically it's a badge of royalty. It's a prize in the public game. It's a, it's a symbol of honor, generally, but more conspicuous. It's an elaborate than just a simple wreath. It's the Stephanos. It's the crown of life. That's what he says. Be faithful unto death, and you'll get the crown of life. He finishes off this little postcard with, he... Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Everybody got that? He's like, okay. The question comes up. Would or could I even suffer or die for Jesus? Well, I think the answer is wrapped up in two things. Guys, his faithfulness to us. Why? Because in 1 Timothy, he says this, 1 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless... He still remains faithful. And the second is in John 15, where it says, abide in him. Just abide in him. Just abide in him. Let me challenge you as we close. Let me challenge you real quick, guys. The question is, could I ever suffer? Would I ever suffer? Or even could I die? Well, I hope the answer is yes. But I would even challenge you more. Would I or could I not only die for the Lord, but live for him faithfully? Live for him faithfully. Right? Because in Revelation 2.11 it says, He who has an ear. Okay, Lord, what did you speak to us? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is not only that this is not the only time in the book of Revelation that John writes about the second death. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, said, Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign for him for a thousand years. Revelation 21, 8 says this, But cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murder, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, which is the second death. Listen to the words of a father to a son during Roman persecution. Okay, listen. As the cages were opened, 
and ferocious animals appeared. The little boy said to his father, Will it hurt, father? And the father, placing his arm around the lad's shoulder, looked off into the invisible and said, Perhaps for one swift moment, but he that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. You see, it's been said, if you're born once, you will die twice. If you're born twice, you will only die once. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, for the church at Smyrna. We thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, we can learn that suffering is, is really a part of Christianity. And although, Lord, we pray that you would go before us and you would order our steps and you would walk with us and guide us, we pray, Lord, that, um, that if we're called to suffer for you, even in these next few days, these next few months, these next few years, that, Lord, that, that, that God, that you would walk with us and that our love for you would shine so bright. Lord, we talked about um, if you're born once, Lord, we'll die twice. But if we're born twice, we'll only die one. So my prayer is that if you're watching online or you're listening by podcast, or you're even here and you've never given your life to the Lord, that you would surrender completely to him. And I would pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break through with your truth and your love to those hearts that are hardened. And I would pray, Lord, that your spirit would open the eyes of the blind. And they would see, Lord, that uh, we're not living in that pretty world anymore. We're not living in a, we're not living in, in, in this. Well, Lord, the world has never been normal, but, but, uh, but it's even worse now. I would pray that the scales would fall and that many people would come to know you. I would pray that there would be revival in our land. That our, that our people would be so hungry for the word of God. Lord, to be here, to get filled, to get, to get taught, Lord, to quit playing church and to follow you. I pray, Lord, that even now, moving forward, God, we love you. We love you and we pray for that, God. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email 
to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.